0: are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspired you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Thank you so much, and what a joy to be with you. I have been the last uh, two days with leaders uh, of the church, and it's been a real joy to be with them and be thinking through the next 12 months, the next year for Cold Lake Community Church, and uh, what a privilege. And now tonight I'll begin meeting with each of the team members, and then tomorrow throughout the day and tomorrow evening And uh, we'll be working on their plans for next year. God is a God that knows our future. And it is important for us to come in tune with what He wants for us and then to begin to align to what He desires for us. And so we're going to work on that together, and I'm excited about that and excited to be with you today. Let me just share with you that in the back, Vanna White from Wheel of Fortune is going to be at the back table. Wave your hand, Vanna. Right there. There she is. Right there. There she is. Right there. And she'll be at the back, and she'll be helping you there. Uh, There are some materials. There are some DVDs and some CDs. And today's message is in this series, and I would encourage you to get a copy and share it with others. And then some of you may know that there's a lot going on in the world, and it seems like every morning we wake up and we see gruesome things, beheadings and and attacks on university students, 167 in Kenya, who had gone to a morning prayer meeting, just like you were here today, and someone came in and and, uh, took their lives. And you say, what is going on, and this whole thing with ISIS, and what's taking place, and so Again, listen, say it with me, God is still in control. And sometimes we question that, and, and so I, I want to give you some background on what is happening, what's going to happen, where this may be heading, and according to God's Word, and, and so I, I, there, that's back there, and, and, and uh, they will help you with those back there. Because of what's happening in the world, There is a lot of fear. And even in your city today, there are people that have come here that are afraid when they go home, there will be no home. The fires have come, and now they've merged together, and an eerie presence fills their memories as they left where they were living and falling from the sky was ash like snow. The sun was red because of the smoke. Some solar moonscape? No. Just a place that they now have etched in their brains that leaves them with fears and maybe even doubts. The doctor says it's cancer. And fear comes. And doubt comes. Am I able as a parent? Am I capable as a college first-year student Will I be a good father? Will I be a good husband? Will I lose my job? And there are people sitting here today that went to work and left without a job. And that brings fear. How do we pay the bills? How do I be a good provider? And sometimes it brings doubt. And I want you to see that today. Sitting here today in our auditorium is Natalie. Natalie has been asked to coordinate the over 500 evacuees that are here in Cold Lake. Over 10,000 are in different parts of two provinces. And Natalie sits here and at times I'm sure there have been some fears. Some doubts. And before she leaves here today, we are going to pray for her before she goes back to the energy center. Listen. Student, doubts come. And I want to say that to all the teenagers in this room. You will have doubts even about God. Notice I didn't say you might, I said you will. And there is no one in this room that will not be faced with those doubts. And I am so glad that Code Lake Community Church is a church that allows people to bring their doubts. Now listen, because there are churches that will try to stop you from having doubts will tell you you're wrong about your doubts, and you're wrong to even have those doubts. The problem is those churches produce what we call skeptics. Because things happen in our life that don't make sense. They're called paradoxes. There are no, there no, there just aren't simple answers. And it's during those times that we need to understand what you're going to walk out of here with today. In the midst of fires, in the midst of storms, in the midst of economic downturns, in the midst of oil that doesn't seem to regulate, there is an answer. And today you are going to leave here with that answer. When you don't have any answers, there is an answer. You say, what do I do? That's what Patty asked. Patty came on a Sunday just like this to a church just like Cold Lake Community. She came from a background filled with every kind of hurt you could imagine. When she was young, her dad came out of work, and a group of thugs hit him over the head with a tire iron, left him for dead, but they damaged his brain so bad he would never be able to return home as a father or husband her mom turned to alcohol and became a brutal, 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 abusive alcoholic. And it's one thing to drink. It's another thing to be an alcoholic. And it's altogether different to be abusive. But that was Patty's life. Her two older sisters, much older than her, got out of the house as quick as they could, got married, left left her alone with this alcoholic, abusive mom. And at age nine, think about this, Sharia, nine, Nine years old, she comes home from school, and her mother is gone. I don't mean gone to the store, I mean abandoned her. Found some guy and took off. The relatives that were in the area took her and raised her till she was 14, 14 years old. But something in her heart, she wanted to reconnect with her sisters. She wanted to reconnect. There's something about that in all of us, isn't there? She wanted to reconnect with her sisters, so they put her on a train. Imagine this: putting her on a train at 14 years old and crossing the United States from Pennsylvania to Wisconsin to find her her married sister and and reconnect, and she had an address. She had an address, and she went to that address, and her sister had moved. Now she's in a city. She doesn't know anyone, and she meets a teenage girl like herself who knew Jesus. And that teenage girl said, Come to my house. My dad is a milkman. How many of you remember when we used to have milkmen deliver milk? That tells how old you are. Well, she knew that Meltman, if somebody moves, there's always a past due bill. And they get an address. And so sure enough, she came to that house, and her dad did know where Patty's sister moved, and said to his, oldest, his second oldest son, Driver there, and they loaded Patty up with her little bag, 14 years old. They loaded her up and drove her up two and a half hours to where her sister was living. And when she got to the door of her sister, her sister opened the door, looked through the screen door, and locked the screen door. And through the screen door said, don't bring her here, she's not staying with me. Rejected by her mother, rejected by her sister. Well, that young man that drove her up there was in the Air Force. (laughs) Interesting, there's a base here. You put a uniform on a young man and let him be a part of the Air Force, how many of you know all he has to say to someone young is those magic words? Oh, you've heard them. I love you, I'm a pilot, no, no wonder you're still single. Listen, they got the court to give permission to marry and at 15 years old she married him. Now a teenage bride with all of that past history, how many think she might have brought a few things into that marriage? But, you know, you can solve marital difficulties very, very easy. They figured it out. Just get pregnant. And pretty soon a little baby boy was born. And the little baby boy, as they started their new business, he left the Air Force, they started a business of their own, and she carried that little boy to work every day, and and they worked very, very hard, and and then a little baby girl was born, but the baby girl came home and turned blue in the crib, and and they had to rush the baby girl to the hospital, and the doctor didn't know if the baby girl would live or die, and now she's got all of this on her. I don't know if I'll be a good enough mother, and I don't know if I'll be a good enough wife, and I don't know if if our business is going to make it, and I don't know if my baby's going to live, and if I, I don't know if I can uh, uh, really cope with all that's happened in my life, and she's filled with these doubts and these fears. She had no understanding that there was a Jesus who loved her, that there was one who had given his life for her. No understanding at all. As a matter of fact, her only understanding of God was, where is He when I go through all this? And that girl that invited her home to meet dad to find her sister. The sister of the man she married invited her to a place like Cold Lake. And maybe you've come like that today. And maybe you're filled with all kinds of doubts and all kinds of fears. I wanna show you something that is very, very important. I want to show you what Patty heard that day. Because I want you to look with me at Genesis chapter fifty and 15, and it's been staring you in the face here, because this is the story of a man named Abraham. Now, Abraham is called the father of our faith. Say that with me. He's the father of our what? Now, that's very, very interesting, because God says uh your, your one slide uh i'm sorry about this and i can change this myself look at this he, he, he says god says to him comes to abraham and brought him out and he says to him very very clearly he says to him he says he says the word of the lord came to abraham what say that again say it again now in other words abraham was filled with what He's filled with fear. The father of our faith is filled with? Oh, can you say oxymoron? How can you be the father of faith and be filled with fear? Now watch this, because the father of our faith is filled with fear. Because why? Well, Genesis 14, how many know it pays to read the first part of the book? In Genesis 14, he goes down to rescue his nephew, Lot, who was captured by a group of thugs, uh, tribal chieftains of that day, just like today over there in the Middle East, just like ISIS, same thing, hasn't changed a bit. They captured him. They were gonna kill him, keep his wife and all of his goods and all of his riches. But Abraham becomes the the, the, the rescue team, the, the Canadian rescue team, and rides on in there and, and rescues, rescues his nephew Lot, but is afraid that these guys are gonna unite and attack him and kill him and take all that he has. And so he's afraid. And God shows up. Isn't that the way it's supposed to work when we've got fears? God shows up up. He says I'll be your shield. I'll be your reward. And Abraham says what? I doubt it. Yeah, he says you know (laughs) I am still childless and you promised me a kid and I don't have a kid. Why should I believe you now? Father of our what? Filled with and say those two words what and and so i I can't help but think here how many of you here love the, the 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 movie the avengers i just love that movie and here's my favorite scene it's when the hulk grabs this guy who thinks he's god and he grabs him by the and he slams him on the ground and leaves him beat up on the ground and looks down and goes, wimpy God. The tragedy is that some of us in this room today think that's the way God treats us. That when we have fears and doubts about him, that he grabs us by the collar and leaves us on the floor. But that is not what God does to Abraham. And it is not what God does to you. Abraham honestly and openly tells God, I doubt it. And I doubt your promise. I want you to see this. Because when you have doubts, and when you have fears, and you can take this back to those in the center today, Natalie. They can bring their doubts and their fears to God and God is not angry and God is not upset. Instead, what does God do? What does God do with Abraham? Here's what he does. He takes him outside. Look at this. He says, Come with me. Come with me. He goes down and he gets Abraham by the hand. And he says, Come on. He says, Come with me. He says, Come with me. And he takes him outside and he says, What do you see? What do you see? And he says, I see stars. And he says, That's how many kids you're going to have. That's how many kids you're going to have. You're going to have all. They're all going to be your descendants. These are going to be your descendants. And he says, he, and, and Abraham gets all excited in verse 7. And he goes, he goes, yes, he goes, yes, I believe, I believe, but. Come on. How many of you have ever gotten excited about the promises of God? But thank you, two honest people. There's a bunch of liars over here. It's okay. It's all right. How many of you have ever doubted even when you had God's promises? There's still liars in the house. Some of you are afraid to lift your hand. How many of you wouldn't lift your hand no matter what I ask today? (laughs) Listen, 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 listen. Now he doesn't doubt God's promise. He doubts himself. Come on, how many of you have ever doubted yourself? Ah, now I get lots of hands. This morning... I left my room, and there was a man, one of your workers, Natalie, who was standing right outside, and I overheard his conversation at breakfast. And I said to him, you know, I said, you can talk to God about what I overheard you talking about. And he said these words. Listen to this. He said, I think I'm okay with him. The problem is me. Listen to me. We sometimes doubt. Are we good enough? We doubt. What have I done? We doubt. And then we start beating ourselves up. Come on, how many beat yourself up? And listen, some of you men in this room and even women who have lost your jobs over all this that's going on, you're beginning to wonder, did they want to get rid of me? Is this the reason they took this opportunity? Why they let me go and not the other guy? And we start doubting ourselves, And that was Abraham. Now, there was a good reason. He was about 90 to 100 years old at this time. And he is really saying, "Uh, you're telling me I'm going to have all these kids, but I don't care how much old spice I splash on, it just isn't going to (laughs) happen. He may have even thought, have you seen my wife? Because she would have been about 80 at the time. You see, God gives us promises, but we begin to doubt ourselves. And that was Abraham, filled with fear, filled with doubt about God, filled with doubt about himself, and he's, he's he's he. what does God do with him here? This is absolutely incredible because what God does with him here is he asks for something that we don't understand. Now listen to me. Listen very, very clearly because the Old Testament is a finely furnished room that is dimly lit and you cannot see all that the Old Testament contains unless you turn on the lights and open the windows, and let the light in from the New Testament. Thank you, St. Augustine, for telling us that. You can't understand the Old Testament without the New Testament. Did you hear me? It's one book. It's one story. So he says, go get three of the biggest animals you own. A heifer, a goat, a ram. These are big animals. These are full-grown animals. This meant that Abraham had some wealth. This meant that he could afford to pay back any debt because the way you did business... (laughs) People are unemployed all over, and I hire these guys. (laughs) When you purchased or when you leased land, if you were going to farm the land or you would, you would say to the person who owned the land in this day, you would say to them, you would say, I'm going to get the most expensive thing that I can show you that I can sacrifice. I can kill this. I can sacrifice this to show you that I can pay you back. Today, we don't operate this way. This was an oral culture. We live in a written culture. So we make contracts, okay? We write out contracts. How many of you have ever bought a house? How many of you had to sign some papers? How many times? Over and over and over. Why? Because every page you initial, every page you sign. Because if you don't pay it back, what? They're taking everything. They're going to take it from you. They're going to take it. They're going to take the truck. They're going to take. They're going to take the, the house. They're going to. They're going to take me. They're going to. They're going to. They're going to take Ernie. They're going to. They're going. To, okay. Listen. But in this day, if you were entering into a covenant, into an agreement, you were asked to go and get your most expensive. And God asks for three, and Abraham rushes and gets them. And he cuts them in half and he lays them out on the ground because he knows the process. What you did is you got the biggest animal, you cut it in half, the blood flowed on the ground, and then you grabbed the arm of the individual, you, 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 stick with me, you grabbed the arm of the individual and you walked with that individual through the center around the left then back through the center, around the opposite side, and back to the middle, forming the symbol of infinity. A figure eight, the infinity. What does infinity mean? Forever. In other words, what you're saying is, just like that animal is dead out in the field for the birds to eat, I want you to know, I want you to know, that I will pay you back, and if I don't pay you back, then you can kill me. How do I know that's true? Look at Jeremiah. This was the, This is what it says. I will give to the men who have transgressed my covenant, who have not performed the words of the covenant which they made before me, when they cut the calf in two and pass between the parts of it, I will give them into the hands of their enemies and into the hands, what? Their dead bodies shall be meat for the birds. In other words, They have a right to kill you and throw you out in the field. This was serious business, okay? And so what Abraham thought thought was, if I do this, I make this promise to God, Uh, God, what I'm saying to you is, if I ever doubt you or fear you like this again or have fear like this again, you can cut me in half, throw me in the field, you can kill me. And some of you still think that way. You think that you're responsible for miracles. But that is not the way it was set up in Genesis. You are not responsible for the miracles, John. So Abraham gets the animals, lays them on the ground, Are you ready? Ready. And all of a sudden, darkness falls on the earth. It was the middle of the day, and darkness falls on the earth. And out of the sky comes a lightning bolt. It's the same word as when God appeared on Mount Sinai. It's the same word as when God came down on Mount Carmel and the fire consumed the altars. God appears like a lightning bolt and it stays frozen in space, and Abraham falls to the ground, and Abraham falls to the ground, and Abraham falls to the ground. To the ground. <laughs> Brad Pitt, he is not. Listen. Abraham falls to the ground and watches God move between the halves, making the symbol of infinity, and he never grabs Abraham's hand. Why didn't he grab Abraham and make him walk with him? Because it has nothing to do with you and me. The covenant Has everything to do with what he did, not what I can do. Otherwise, we become like Cain and Abel and start comparing our sacrifices. We start comparing our faith. We start comparing how good he is or she is, and maybe that's why she got that because he lives better than me and I don't live that good. Listen to me, this is not a comparison. This is all about Jesus. Are you listening? You say, well, maybe if I just had better faith, if I just didn't have this doubt, and if I didn't have this fear, I deserve this. No. Jesus didn't take the hand of Abraham. He walked and made the promise all by himself. And here's what God was saying. And Abraham fell to the ground because he was awestruck. Say that word. See, some of you have never been awestruck by Jesus. You believe he's God. You believe the cross. But you've never been awestruck by what he did. What he said on that day was this. He said, listen to it. I will make the promise for you. And when you doubt, and when you fear, and when you sin, I have already paid the price. And because I know you're going to doubt, and I know you're going to sin, and I know you're going to fear, they can throw me out as a dead body. Look, lift your hand. Lift it up. Open the window of the New Testament. Read it. And when it was noon, sixth hour, noon, in the middle of the day, darkness fell on the land. Uh-oh, where did we hear this before? Darkness fell on the land, and at 3 p.m., Jesus cries with a loud voice. What's he saying? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What is he saying? What is he saying? He is for eternity. He has been one with the Father. Jesus has been one with the Father for eternity. But at 3 p.m. on this day, for the first time in all of history, in all of eternity, he was separated from the Father so that you and I would never have to be separated from the Father. He descended to hell. Why? Because you and I then would never have to descend to hell. He paid the price for our sin. He did it all in our place. He did everything for us. Do you see the difference between Christianity and Islam? Islam says if you strap a bomb to your chest and you blow yourself up for the faith, maybe Allah will have favor and give you forgiveness. But when you follow Jesus, the message is, Jesus paid it all. That's why following Jesus is so different than religion. Religion is all about me doing it. Following Jesus is about him doing it all. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute, I, I'm not so sure about that. Then then look with me, then look with me, look with me, look with me here. What does it say in Galatians? Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by what? Becoming a curse for who? For cursed is everyone that what? Hangs on a tree that the, the blessing of what? Oh, wait a minute, where did this come from? This came from Genesis. The blessing, listen, listen, you can get up now. Listen. Now he takes Abraham's hand, and he takes our hand when we choose to embrace the cross and believe Jesus in the midst of our fears and in the midst of our doubts and even in the midst of our sin. And he takes our hand now, and he says, I've already paid the price. I've already taken care of it. He says, and I am going to give you the blessing that I promised Abraham now becomes given to who? Say who? Come on. Come on. Some of you are getting it. Come on, say it again. Watch this. Watch this because it doesn't end there. I told you that the New Testament explains the Old Testament when God made his promise to who? Since there was no one greater for himself to swear by, he swore by In other words, he did it all by himself out there with the animals. He did it all by himself. I will surely bless you and give many descendants. What? People swear by someone greater than themselves. But he does it. Why? Because God wanted to make his unchanging nature. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. What does this mean? His unchanging nature. Because When God, this is so important and I want you to get this and I want you to understand this because God did this so that by two unchangeable things, read it with me, it is what? Say that again. Impossible for God to what? It is impossible for who? God to? This has nothing to do with us. It's God who can't lie. Can I share something with you? I don't know your age, but I assume you're a teenager. I assume this is mom. Can I tell you something about your mom? She loves you. She would do anything to keep liars from impacting your life. But no matter how hard she tries, there will be some who will come and lie to you. Some who say they love you. Some who shouldn't lie to you. And there are people all of this room who have experienced it with divorce, unfaithfulness. Listen to me. It is impossible for God to lie. The promise he made on the cross is unchangeable. Because he was already thrown out into the tomb. And guess what? The jailer couldn't keep him in there. Because the cross worked. Did you hear me? The resurrection proves the cross worked. In other words, he can't lie because it worked. Because he came out of the tomb alive. And he says this, even the death that's coming against you is going to be redeemed. Even the the worst enemy we have, death, when it comes, it has no sting and it has no victory because I am the first and you will follow me and you're coming out because I'm going to redeem everything. Everything that happens in your life, I will redeem if you'll give it to me. Now that's the question. Will you give it to him or will you keep trying to do it yourself? See, if you keep trying to do it yourself and figure it out yourself, I can do it. I know I can do it. Just give me another chance. I know I will. No, you must trust Jesus. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. You see, the reason we live like Jesus is not to get him to love us more. You can't get God to love you more or less. The reason we live like Jesus is because of what he's already done for us. And so we give him everything because he gave us his everything. Would you bow your heads with me? On that day, Patty was sitting in that room in that church just like this church and the speaker just like myself looked out at the crowd after sharing what I just shared with you and he said these words he said today today if you are willing to bring all your fears all your doubts all your sins all your mess ups if you're willing to bring your hurts if you're willing to bring your everything to him and trust what he did on the cross and trust Jesus if you're willing if you're willing then Jesus will come and take all that you give him, and he promises to turn it all to good. He promises to give you his redemption. He promises to give you his grace, mercy, and forgiveness. And even in death, you will win. Patty grabbed the hand of her three-year-old boy that was sitting beside her, and responded to Jesus that day just like many of you are going to today and boy am I glad she did because I am that three-year-old boy and patty is still my mother did you hear me and just like my mother came to Jesus that day you're going to come to Jesus today with heads bowed and eyes closed I want to ask two simple questions and then Two things are going to happen after this. We're going to pray for people all over the room today. Pastor's going to come back and he's going to close our time together. So I'm going to ask that there be no movement because these next few questions are very important. How many of you in this room would say, Sam, without a doubt, without a doubt, teenager, mom, dad, Visitor regular attender how many of you would say without a doubt. I have embraced the cross. I am following Jesus I am living for Jesus I am totally committed to him with all of my all of my being and I trust what he did He did it all and that's why I'm committed to him is because I understand this and I know that if death were to come heaven would be my home and I would see him face to face I am with him for eternity and if the answer is yes that's true in my life already throw your hand straight up you may take it down what about those of you that are not sure what about those of you that are filled with doubt today what about those of you that know you haven't really embraced the cross and you're not fully following Jesus? And maybe you've even been trying to get Jesus to love you more or do religious things or attend church or you've been trying all everything you can and maybe you've been maybe you once followed Jesus but you've walked away from Jesus. If you're here today and you're not sure that all is well between you and Jesus and you're you're fully embracing the cross and you couldn't lift your hand a moment to go. I'm going to count to three, and when I get to three, I want you to throw your hand straight up in the air, and when you do, he is going to grab your hand, and you're going to grab his, and you are going to receive everything he did for you at the cross by faith. By faith. You're going to believe. You say, but I don't know that I have enough. No, you don't get it. He did it all. So give him your mustard seed of faith, and he will respond. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry.